Welcome to Dangerously Likely. I'm Caleb. And I'm Terrell. And today, we're Dangerously Likely to tell a story. So, Caleb, I'm super excited to introduce a guest for this story episode so our listeners don't have to listen to my voice. Um, Sarah, do you want to introduce yourself and let everyone know who you are? Sure. Hello, I'm Sarah. I um, have fluid pronouns, they, them, she, her. I am currently in Iowa, where I am from. I was born in Nebraska, uh, but I grew up in Iowa, so I'm a Midwest baby. But I lived in Boise, Idaho for the last year. That's actually where I met Terrell and Caleb. I work at Boise State currently, remotely, thanks pandemic. Um, So (laughs) I am Black and queer. I am also Polly, and I have all kinds of identities. Like, just, it's fine. Just go look on the Instagram. Um, but my background is in sociology, and I'm also working on my master's degree in critical pedagogy. So I really just have a passion for connecting people, telling stories, and um, I'm currently applying to PhD programs. And I guess my goal in life, like what I want to do with my PhD is just to transform how we learn. Uh, and so I'm excited because I think podcasts are a great way to enter into conversation and dialogue and learning. And it gives people a voice who um, might not have access to it in other ways. So I'm happy to be here. Well, thank you for joining us and thank you for being a part of our story episode. Um I really appreciate you taking the time to hop on a Zoom and be able to just join this conversation. One thing that we love to do in our podcast is do a what if. So I'm going to just kind of tap you in to be a part of that as well and throw it at Caleb to see what his is. You're throwing the what if at me yeah. and not both of us? Well, all of all of us are going to respond, but I really want to see your answer. Um, so TikTok is going through this whole thing where the question's being posed. If you could fight one person, one historical person, anyone, anyone that comes to mind, who would it be? Like... Like throw punches, throw punches, MMA, boxing. Ooh, I don't know how I'm gonna answer this. Uh, what? I'm not really a, a fighter, though. Do I have to answer? You don't have to. Hmm. Well, okay. Do you, I, I feel like you've thought about this. You go first. Yes, I know exactly who I would fight. Um, so, on the TikToks, a lot of people have talked about. Andrew Jackson or George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, all of all of these uh, figures who have a problematic past, easy to go for. My personal historical figure that I would go and just go for rounds, like we don't even have to do 12 rounds. We can do 87, just so I know for a fact that they get knocked out multiple times. 87? Yeah, is that- 87 rounds. That's not a real thing, but I would- I, I know, but is that a is that a- an allusion to something? No. Oh. Just a random number. <laughs> um, I would fight the doctor for Henrietta, Henrietta Lacks. Um, Ooh. For, for okay. those That's of you who for those of y'all who don't know, Henrietta Lacks was an African American woman who had um, cancer. And a bunch of doctors took advantage of her, took her cells, took her own, her, her body um, to find different cures and different strategies to combat cancer and also killed her um, and never gave her credit, never let her family know what was going on. And I, one of the most impactful books I've ever read, but also just one of the biggest, like, Ugh, if I could meet that doctor it on site, there would be no hesitation. Ring would stay on so I know there's a mark and they <laughs> know it was rounds me. Later. 87 rounds later and I still want to do 30 more. Like, yeah. Mm, so that is my figure. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Can I just say me too? I'm not much of a fighter either. I just, uh, and I'm not good at history. I mean, there's a lot of people that I could fight. Like, 
don't know. I'd throw, I'd swing at Donald Trump probably. Okay, fair. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Clearly, we found the aggressive one in this group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, does this say more about you than? I mean, Maybe. I don't think anyone would be surprised by that. Oh. Um, I mean, like physically fight. Like, if I could read, like, read someone for Phil. Ooh. Like, I would do that. I don't know okay. who though. <laughs> but all I can think, like, the first person that came to mind was Reese Witherspoon. Really, which, I need to know why. Okay, so I have to say, I used to be a huge Reese Witherspoon fan. I used to be a huge Reese Witherspoon fan. And I still am a fan. But she does. she's doing a little too much white feminism for me these days. Like, she started this movie production. She has this podcast. And it's all about, like, uplifting women and female voices. And if you've watched Little Fires Everywhere, or even, like, her on the morning show, really great. Like, yeah. good quality stuff. But it's not intersectional at all. But she's pretending like she's being intersectional. And she's still not uplifting women of color. She's still the star in all of her shit that she's producing. And like, if even if you look at um, Big Little Lies, again, love her work. Great. But I'm like, you have one person of color in this. You're yeah. still like hiring white women actors. Um, but you're saying you're being intersectional. You're like holding hands with Carrie Washington on Instagram. Maybe I'm just reading her filth right now. <laughs> you kind of are and I'm liking it so like, just go just go this this has just been something I've been upset about because I love her content like the morning show was really good and critical about like rape culture but it lacked intersectionality and I'm like why are we not talking about black women like why are we not talking about women of color and you can't be like she just posted a picture with Kerry Washington the other day and I'm just like you're not fucking helping anyone you're helping yourself but you're saying it's for women but really you're just like hiring your friends and yourself and one person of color, one woman of color to be the token black person. Literally like, every show. Yeah. But you're not, you're not doing anything. And it's like, oh, I'm a feminist. Like I'm doing this great thing. Like I started this movie company. I'm like, good for you. Like, but you're still, you like started this production company to uplift women. And then she's the star and all this stuff. Mm. I, uh, anyway, okay. <laughs> It's a little it's a little sus as we like to say <laughs> i'm just tired of white women moral of the story fair aren't we all, all right. <laughs> 55 percent, yes 45 percent. i mean <laughs> what that's how they voted that's what i said 55 percent of them 100 percent. like please exit the chat i don't need you here anymore if I can emergency meeting this moment right now, I would vote all 55% of them off. But there's 45% where I'm like, okay, y'all are chill for now. I'll give you a, another chance. Well, and that's why I'm like, I want to read her for filth because I believe in her. I want her to get her shit right. Like, get it together, Reese. Like, you can do it. We all deserve better from you. Mm -hmm. And you have a platform, so use it better. And I just feel like there's just not space to critique anyone who's doing feminism mm -hmm. so anyway i love me some white women but like you need to do better that's actually a really interesting comment you made that there's not really space to critique white women you know i don't look at the uh who was the host of snl that got a bunch of flack for critiquing a bunch of white women it's a white comedian i cannot think oh, of his name uh bill barr yes Sorry for the name. <laughs> um, but like, that's a great example because Black Twitter was having a field day. Like, this is funny. He's telling the truth. But every other pocket, that was too much. Or SNL went too far by having him. Like, you can't critique white women. No, so. I mean, he was, he was very blunt, but he did critique white women. And it's funny because I don't know if I've really heard a critique of white women outside of that in a in a on a show like snl yeah so are you gonna give us a figure or a person like you, you can also read them for filth if you don't want to throw punches took a little tangent i don't know i for the for the listeners out there i just drove seven and a half hours to get here true back to boise from Coeur d'Alene, and my mind is not functioning very well normally isn't 
Um, who would I throw hands with? One of my five strengths is context, but I am struggling to find the context for this answer. I'm mad that I'm laughing. I just want you to know that. This is genuine laughter, but I'm angry that I laughed at that. Oh, man. Who's someone I want to fight? I just want to just want to say, hey, you're bad, you know, and throw a punch. I mean, there's classics. I could do it to all the the bad people in the world, you know? Yeah. But I don't want it to be that simple. It needs to be someone strategic. Yeah. If I could do someone present, it would be Mitch McConnell. <laughs> I would love to rip him out of his turtle shell. Oh, it'd be so great. <laughs> Just leave them um, as a mush pile next to me. Mine might be half of, actually, probably way more than half of the Idaho legislator. <laughs> <laughs> also That's fair. real. All the- Barbara. Bar- Barbara. I would fight Barbara. I would Barbara, fucking fight her. I would punch her. I don't I know. The, like, the, <laughs> I mean, I would too. The like silent, the silent, like terrible people are like my representatives mm. up in North Idaho. Honestly, half the people that live in North Idaho just need to be punched so i think i'll rest my case with the idaho legislator okay so we got idaho essentially (laughs) all the (laughs) anti-maskers idaho (laughs) reese witherspoon barbara mitch mcconnell and the doctor from henry analytics cool we got a nice mix right now fascinating what if today terrell (laughs) anything more you'd like to add sarah you know, I'd also fight the legislators with you. So just let me know. I'll get on some gloves. All right. We'll, we'll uh, get a group. That won't be hard. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, just get other states. Like get Oregon, Washington, and California in because they're already. Mm. Like, we send mm. you our worst people, but then y'all send us back people. And that's not how we want it. Like have those three mm. gang up on Idaho. It'll easy. Won't take any time. Yeah. Good call. Good call. You're right. You're right. The group will be states. Erase it off the map a little bit. Make it Montana. Yeah. (laughs) Make it Montana. Love that. I want to transition to you, Sarah, and give you space to um, share with us one of your poems. Okay, well, Terrell knows me. Big surprise. My poems aren't fluffy. (laughs) You're ready for this? Oh, yeah. Always. We're ready. I think Terrell was like, it doesn't have to be personal. And I was like, everything I do is personal. (laughs) 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 What do you mean? Okay, so I'm really nervous about sharing this because I've only shared it with a couple people. But it's one of my favorite poems I've written, and it's really good. So... Okay. I'm excited. I can't kiss the person I like because of the ways she's been hurt before. Her body is not always her own. So she guards it, protects it, hides it, drowning in a merciless ocean wave, gallons of danger swallowing her whole, choking on the salt of the world's disapproval harboring her deepest desires, an abomination, unnatural, sinful, a monstrosity. To exist in her body is to exist abominably. The voices whisper in her head. The world chastises her. Dazed by eyes full of contempt, stupefied by sounds of disapproval, overwhelmed by raised eyebrows, eyebrows, paralyzed by every non-consensual touch. Fear and shame make a home in her body. She rejects what her body wants. Strangled by the legacy of appease, accommodate, shrink, and surrender. Can we hold hands in public? Her fear dredges up long forgotten memories. My body recoils at the humiliation. Her shame leads into my untouched skin. 
yearning, aching for what could be, what should be, illicit kisses, stolen caresses, and I, I give away my body. It was never mine in the first place, bruised by belts, marked by hands, feared by leers, subdued by slights, betrayed by people who said I love you. If my body is free, no one can take it. I find pleasure in the false promise of freedom. I find bliss in the careless abandon of my body. But my heart, I guard it. I protect it. I hide it. Drowning in a merciless ocean wave. Gallons of danger swallowing me whole. Choking on the salt of the world's corruption. Harboring my deepest desires. Connection. Belonging. Meaning. Intimacy. To exist in my body is to exist panic-stricken. The voices whispered in my head. The world chastised me. Intimidated by eyes full of contempt. Haunted by sounds of disapproval. Threatened by raised eyebrows. Frenzied by every non-consensual touch. Fear and shame made a home in my body. I crave what my body wants. Fleeing the legacy of appease, accommodate, shrink, and surrender. I want to kiss you in public. And now, we're just two girls, two queers, two lovers, two bodies, two humans who want, who want to kiss, but don't know how. Trapped by fear, seduced by shame, poisoned by the bane that came before. Hmm. I can't really snap very well. No, that was beautiful. Yeah. I thought you were gonna say something. I was. I'm just processing. But no, that that was amazing. I see why. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I really appreciated it too because it. And I don't want to speak for you, Kayla, but I, I feel like I saw so many different aspects. I, I got pulled into at the beginning, uh, thinking about our queer folk, but our trans folk too. And, and this inability to be who you are because society can't own who it is and, and, or who they are. Um, society struggles to, to think of gender differently, to think of identity differently. But then as you progressed, I found myself thinking about domestic violence and mm -hmm. thinking about that shame that women and men go through of, well, maybe I should have spoke up. And since I didn't, this is just the life I live or not being able to understand love and just so many pieces. And then back into just the queer identities and, and the current state of um, protections and thoughts in our country. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think you said it perfectly. Um, kind of what I was thinking too, I was thinking of it on a societal level and how, I mean, not only did this piece display this, but in real life, society just continues to fail to accept everyone for who they are. Mm -hmm. And even if we have small wins here and there, it's still a long road ahead. Yeah it's still a long road ahead and yeah yeah it's I'm still kind of processing it too it's tough because like for me I'm never going to experience that so it's tough while I can understand the nature of it I can't I can't understand or it's hard to understand deeper into that mm -hmm. Something I would push there um, is, I think, just an ill that this country also thinks about. So when, um, when marriage equality passed, one of the cases that I felt on and just I, I still love to this day, I actually made a graphic to hang in my office, uh, <clears throat> was a loving uh, Supreme Court case. And the recognition that 
it took until the 1960s for interracial couples to even feel like, well, not even feel, to be legally allowed to get married. Um, and now you're in a space where people, myself included, cheered to see Kamala Harris and her husband Doug on a main stage because th that's the first time you see an interracial couple at such a, a high level. Um, and I know a lot of people will say, well, how awesome was it to see Barack and Michelle? And, and that's a, an important part. But uh, you and I had this conversation, I think, too, of <clears throat> I didn't know if our country was in a space to vote for an interracial couple because the both sides of the spectrum, both races feel uncomfortable with that still to this day. And I think mm -hmm. to your piece, Sarah, if men and women of all races break down the identity piece and break down the domestic violence piece and even just focus on it wasn't until the 1960s that you were truly well that straight people were truly able to marry who they liked and who they loved because the government still told you at that point in time you needed special qualifications to marry someone out of your race or someone out of your religion we can start making a better argument and we can start showing that civil rights isn't just this one thing. It's all of these spectrums. It impacts white men just as much as it impacts other, other individuals because you're still being told by your government that you can't do something. It's um, hmm. a fascinating angle. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah. I found it interesting that you mentioned that, that white men are also affected by this, but I'd also argue that they're the least affected. I would agree. Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I, when I say that, I don't mean now white men can walk and be like, brother, I know what you've been through. Like I'm making that argument here, but I, I'm saying like <laughs> for the white male who is just so stuck on black lives matter and stuck on all of these points and saying that the government's telling them what to do because they have to wear masks. It was literally, there was a point where if you fell for something out of your race, the government was telling you no, and you didn't have frustration there. Why? And if you start thinking of that yeah. space, this is specifically to the conservatism arguments. If you start really thinking about what powers the government have, whether you want to lean on religious protections or not, at some point you, you hit that thought of the government can't tell me who I can and can't love. The government can't tell me that I can and can't do X, Y, and Z. That's the whole don't tread on me flag in a nutshell. Um, oh, God. <laughs> so if, if that's where you're at, there is a Supreme Court case that you can lean on that stopped you from marrying the black girl that you're keeping secret from your family. That impacts you, that matters. And if you open up to that, you can then start having better conversations about the two women who are, talking and don't feel comfortable being out in public, but have their own meeting spot or the two men who only meet up in one class and pass notes because that's the only place that they feel safe. If you can break that paradigm just slightly, I think white men specifically have a space to step and say, okay, I might not agree, but the government still doesn't have the right to do all of these things. And here's my laundry list of, other supporting arguments. Right. And I, I was going to push back on you as well, Kayla, because um, obviously like the inspiration, well, maybe not obviously, but the inspiration for this poem was about um, like two queer people to two people who um, find themselves struggling to engage in a relationship. But part of the struggle isn't necessarily their queer identity. Um, it, like you said, there's some trauma in there, some sexual violence, some domestic violence. And so like, and even let's just say like we had a dysfunctional like parents or we didn't have good images of love. Like it's about like two people trying to figure out how to love each other when they don't have a good blueprint for how to do it. Like we don't have any good, we don't have any good representation of like good love. I just read Hooks all about love and like what love ethic actually looks like. And so, yeah, I was just going to challenge you as far as like in your relationships, past or future, present, like what makes it hard to engage in those relationships? Like at the foundation, we all carry these like fears and insecurities about like whether or not we're worthy of love. And 
um, whether or not we can accept that from another partner. And that definitely becomes more challenging. Like as you add trauma and marginalized identities, you have a lot of messages that say you're not worthy of love. But um, I mean, men, white men too, like you, there's still this rhetoric of like being stoic and like not showing your emotions and stuff. Like how does that affect your relationships? How does that affect how you love and care for people? Um, In a lighthearted throw out there at, I wear the Sag badge very well, like Sagittarius for life. So I don't have to engage in those conversations the same way because I already know that not only am I perfect, everyone wants me because I'm perfect. So yeah, we don't, we don't mm-hmm. even talk about that piece. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw your reaction when I talked about um, pleasure and using your body, Terrell. I saw, I saw, hold on. <laughs> Ooh, I felt that one. <laughs> Coming for me on a full moon. I see how it is. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I was not, I, I'll be honest. I was not thinking about it in those specific ways. So I don't know. My mind just went straight to society, governmental, structural things mm-hmm. um, instead of what's going on at the human level, you know? Yeah. Which I think there was a little bit of all of it in there, but Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, Sarah, your point too, and your your way of speaking to trauma and grief and and pain as a wave that you just keep getting battered by, right? It, it's you might be able to stick your head out for a minute, you might feel like you're able to float, but that wave comes back and it might push you under, or it might just disorient you. Um, the way that the way that that image appears in my mind, the way that, to your point, Caleb, the way that society can sometimes be that way of the movies that we play or the shows that we have that model what love could be, but not understanding what love is in all aspects. I think we have this image that domestic violence is such a, a physical, visible action and thing but we mm-hmm. don't think about the, the more toxic sides of domestic violence where individuals are being put down by their partner and they're being called out of their name or they're being gaslit and made to think that they're crazy. So when they're out in public, they, they don't know how to interact with people at a, at a larger level. And that's the piece of that wave that pops in my head of, yeah, we can picture the person who gets slapped by a wave and now they have a bruise down their rib cage, but we can't picture the person who swallowed a little bit of water and now it's trapped in their lungs and they're trying to find air. There's all of mm-hmm. these other pieces um, that are just so powerful. And as I was saying to your societal piece, we, we as a country, specifically the U.S., get so excited that we have the Violence Against Women Act and the work that it's done, but we struggle to, one, recognize that it hasn't been amended in a long time or it hasn't been updated in a long time. Yeah. Um, two, recently it's had a struggle to even get passed, but three, it, it doesn't have, it, relationships aren't just men and women or men and women. Um, it, it is intersectional it is multifaceted and i understand where the the name of the bill came from i understand the piece of why it's there but as we start thinking and as we start moving forward even in that language the way we define violence needs to be different the way that we identify abusers and and survivors needs to be different versus what we go through now definitely and i'm i do a lot on abuse and trauma and all of this stuff. So I could talk about this all day, but um, yeah. And at the societal level, I was really positioning like society as the abuser, like the um, the domestic violence, the relationship in, in this piece. And so like, what does it mean? I love that you said like swallowing a little bit of water at a time, like you're constantly inundated with those messages, right? Like whether you're queer, whether you're black um, in your workplace, on the television, the music you listen to, like, um, if you're going to school, like you're, you're constantly receiving these messages, even if they're subtle of like, you don't belong or you're not normal. And it it can be something as simple as someone like 
And I say simple as like people, um, dominant folks can be like, oh, it's not a big deal. Simple as like misgendering you or like assuming you have a boyfriend, like, <laughs> or like um, anything else, like, right? Like, or talking about something white that you have no idea or whatever, like assuming you're going to celebrate Thanksgiving. Like it's those little subtle messages where you're like, my life doesn't look like that. And so I don't quite fit. And like the other day I was trying to find some queer books. It's like finding a queer reading list, right? So like how it's so hard to find art and things in the world that look like you. And so you're constantly receiving these messages that like, you're not normal, like you're not enough, like you, you don't fit. And like, you can know differently, like intellectually, I know I'm the fucking shit, but like, (laughs) (laughs) that doesn't change like the emotional, like psyche that I experience where like those messages, messages creep in and like you constant, it's a constant fight of like, like you said, if it's a wave, it's a constant, like coming up for air, (laughs) finding your snorkel, like fucking getting a life jacket. Like it's constant. Were there pieces that you felt we didn't, we didn't pick up that are important and impactful to where you were when you wrote it or why you wrote it? Um, yeah, I kind of want to, I just want to share a little bit. Like I really wanted to capture, um, I really wanted to capture the internal struggle that people have um, with all of the messages, with all of their own trauma, with all of their own shit and how those internal struggles, like despite like, I like you, you like me, I want to be with you, you want to be with me, like, and how that internal struggle like prevents that from happening sometimes. And like um, really honoring, like, I don't know, we get stuck into these messages. I get stuck into these messages of like, oh, this person, I can't be with them. Or like, they don't like me because of me. Like it's my fault or whatever. And it's like a lot of times it's the other person's shit, right? Like sometimes, (laughs) I don't know if I'm making any sense, but I was just trying to honor like the internal struggles that we each have and how that makes it hard for us to engage in trust and like love. Yeah, no, I thought you made complete sense. I've definitely found myself like what exactly what you were saying. I've definitely found myself in a position where I ask like, oh, was it me? And then I go down a rabbit hole of how it was me when maybe it wasn't me at all. Right, right. Yeah, and exactly. I just, the more I've been doing my own healing, I'm realizing all the ways that it's not me. (laughs) and it's like it's not always about you Sarah it's like conversation I had with my therapist and I was like what do you mean everything's about me (laughs) but like what if it's not about you um and I'm laughing but anyway yeah like if anything happens it's like well what can I do differently like how can I change what what role did I have to play in it but what like, what if it was just, you know, two people struggling individually and not figuring out how to come together? Yeah. What if you were perfect in the moment, right? <laughs> like Terrell <laughs> is like, he never worries about this, but yes, Mr. Sagittarius over here. <laughs> this is a built, like a built behavior and personality. It did not exist a year ago. Just going to throw that out there. Um, but then TikTok <laughs> happened and I got to see like Sag is always number one on the best list and number 12 on the worst list. Like we're great. <laughs> okay. All right. Also, my... No, oh, go for it. <laughs> Let's say my next piece isn't as intense. <laughs> All right. Sounds great. Were you going to say something or, oh, okay. Are you ready? Yeah, I think we are. All right. <clears throat> he texted me, build sandcastles, and tears formed in my eyes. A simple sentence, a simple gift, a sweet reminder, a gentle offering. It is okay to build sandcastles and still appreciate the ocean. His words rushed through my body, slowly and then all at once. Build sandcastles. Enjoy, play, create, just because you can just because you deserve it, just because it matters, because you matter. And the ocean, the magnificent creature that it is will wash away the sandcastles someday. 
maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe in the midst, and it will be okay because the beauty is in the attempt, the pleasure is in the journey, the laughter is in the climb, and it is okay to grieve the moment, to miss the sandcastle, and it is okay to be mad at the ocean, to curse the waves, and it is okay to build again, to jump into the water, to frolic in the sand, and it is okay to take a break, to say see you later to the ocean, to say right not, not right now to the sand. Remember that they'll be here, waiting, hoping for your return. Build sand castles. So there's a second part. I don't know if you two want to react to the first or should I just go into the second part? Yeah, your call. My call. Let's do the second part. Okay. And just like that, the sandcastle washed away and the girl was sad. She dreaded this moment, the feeling of sadness, the feeling of loss washing over her body. Yet she wasn't mad at the ocean. She understood that the ocean was only doing what it needed to do but she was sad all the same. She was finding it hard to believe that there would be more other sandcastles. And even if there were, even if there would be, none would be quite the same as the one she had just built. Oh, the time, the energy, the heart, all washed away, a memory soon to be forgotten. Her only wish, her only hope is to be remembered, to have her people remember the beauty of the sandcastles she built. Did it mean a lot to you? because it meant everything to me. Just a little girl who loves to play in the sand and who longs to have someone to play with her, but not just anyone, you. She longs for you to play with her and her heart breaks every time you say no. So she stops asking, what's the point of building other sandcastles? She will, she'll build again, but right now she needs time to be sad about the ones she had hopes for, the ones she dreamed about playing in all day long. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> Again, I thought that was a pretty beautiful reading. And mm-hmm. I don't know, the way the way I kind of took it, which is probably different than how both of you <laughs> It was one time, Caleb. No, no, no. I just mean in general. I just anyone can take a poem in any way. Yeah. Um I I kind of s- I'm not going to put it in, in the right words because I think there's, it, there's more significance to put, to be placed on things like the sandcastle, but I saw ocean as kind of life. Mm-hmm. And I saw the sound sandcastle as that moment of life that you're in currently. Mm-hmm. And then when this, when the ocean washed the sandcastle away, I thought that signified like a, a moment of change. Mm. Um, like, I don't know for me. Yeah. Um, when I was, we can talk about just last year when we graduated or when I graduated from uh, Boise State and it was in the middle of this pandemic and it, the ceremony was online. And when the ocean came up to wash the sandcastle away, that was kind of like the day of graduation when I was like realizing, wait a second, I'm not really in college anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of like a, that's kind of like a lighthearted take on it. And um, I mean, I think there was a lot of different aspects in there that I probably missed, but overall, that's kind of how, that's kind of how I was thinking about it as I heard the words, but I'm a Virgo. So I need to take some time to analyze and, and think about that kind of stuff. You know, this is why I'm very, (laughs) very carefully bring in astrology. You're a Virgo. I didn't know that when I signed up for this. <laughs> what does that mean? Is it okay? <laughs> well, I will say, um, I have a bad history with male Virgos. Like, I just don't vibe with them. Um, but that's usually in dating partners. So as long as we don't date Caleb. You're a little bit more playful than most Virgos are. So, How are most Virgos? Not as playful. <laughs> <laughs> what do they mean? They don't share their toys or something? Okay, so I'm an Aries, and my problem is Virgo. Really? <laughs> Anyways, we have an Aries in our midst. My, yes, I'm an Aries. Two very fire signs. Very if you fiery. Can. Very chaotic. Very angry. Flames. Very destructive. Toddlers of the zodiac sign. Yes. It does fit. Um, 
but so for Virgos, they're just very analytical and then in their head and I'm emotional, like I'm going to, I'm emotions first. And so that's why like yeah. Virgos and I just usually can't see eye to eye. And that analytic part is why they're normally not as playful. Sometimes they can be cold or hard to read or just like, yeah. eh, versus you tend to be a little goofy, which <laughs> probably means that your Mars is not in Vir- Virgo. I know way more about astrology than I ever thought I would in life. So I'm like saying all these things and have a moment. And that you let on, you like pretend to be like kind of only into astrology a little bit. Yeah, here we are. I remember when I first brought it up to you and you were like, oh, like whatever. And now, I I feel like and now I'm like, I know everyone's chart and I know the date of birth and da, 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 da. And like when these stars align like this and da, yeah. Literally yeah. me. I don't know how I got here. I'm like, what? Well, we first got- meet. What's your time of birth? <laughs> Literally. I need to do your chart. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta okay. kind of anyway. defend the Virgos here. Oh God. Just because yeah, I don't think do. you're wrong. And maybe this <laughs> applies to me. I don't think you're wrong about being super analytical and coming off as perhaps a little cold and not as playful or goofy. But at the same time, like for me, I like to really think about things. I'm not usually the first one to speak when I'm in a meeting, that kind of, that kind of stuff right there. But analytical, when you say, use the word analytical, I think that automatically assumes like logic and numbers and stats and all those scary words. (laughs) But at the same time, like, I think Virgos get analytical with their emotions too. And they really keep that inside their heads a little bit. So I think there's some emotions at play. You just, they just don't always like to show it. So I'm gonna That's say. what I don't like. That's what I don't like. <laughs> I know all those things would be true. Hey, no change of Virgos. I just can't vibe with them. Yeah. Because like, I'm an intuitive person. And so if you're keeping all your emotions in your head, then I can't fucking read you. And now I'm pissed. Okay. I just That's got really ramped. I'm going to chill. I'm just that uh, that's what happened in my last two relationships. I'm not bitter about it at all. It's fine. Um, but anyway. So sandcastles. <laughs> Sounds like you about all of that. Away. Out. So wow. Wait, what? What? <laughs> Sounds like they've been washed away. Is that what, this like, conversation's being washed away? Oh, I thought as you meant the, the Virgo relationships were we... being washed away. And I was like, wow, Caleb. <laughs> wow. Really took some shots there. <laughs> they really have. It's fine. <laughs> Just shifting into. I'm going to pivot back. Uh, yeah, I was like, feel free to cut all of that out. That's fine. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts, Terrell? What are your thoughts? <laughs> the worst part is it doesn't. So, let me pause. Um, so, I saw two ways. Um, actually, three, technically. The first big one with part two, um, I vibed heavy with the girl in this piece because like building the sandcastle, seeing them fall apart, being angry, da, 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 da. Where I think my deviation came in is <laughs> the first thing that popped in my head was my thought would have been, well, maybe if I built the sandcastle a little bit further back. So the water just casually touched it, but didn't wash it away. Like that's where, that's where, I felt the frustration of the the character in this piece of, okay, this happened. I'm going to grieve this moment, but I'm also already thinking about, okay, where am I going to change? Like, I'm not going to build on this latitudinal not line. I'm going to move back a couple steps, all those things. Um, but Caleb, to your point, I I definitely felt the the reflection on life and the onus of and changing of just aspects of life over time and and had needing to have that moment to grieve but also understanding that the the ocean didn't wash away the entire beach the stand is still there there's still an opportunity mm. to build up and mm-hmm. and take what you've already made or memory of what you've already made and build it into something new and something better and it's the process but at the same time um i just i thought about love i thought about relationships it's yeah you you make a bunch of relationships and every now and again a wave just um (laughs) and you there's always something that you love whether it was a 
a seashell that you've made into a window. It just, it was the best window. Like you'll never recreate that. It'll never be awesome again. And you then get fixated on and grieve to that, to that piece where um, the male that the character spoke to, I, I appreciated their words at the start of it's okay to grieve. It's okay to have those moments, but understand that there'll be other opportunities. Don't get hung up on um, the past or don't get hung up on relationships that in the moment might've felt amazing, um, but they weren't strong enough to withstand whatever came in and washed them away. Yeah. I mean, that's funny that you said that because as you were talking, I was starting to, you know, deliver some analytical Virgo-ness into this. <laughs> and right before you said you were ta- thinking about relationships, I was thinking about the same thing. Ooh. They couldn't like, well, if we're talking about the ocean being kind of like wife and the sandcastles being like whatever moment that is for you or whatever period even, um, like I was thinking like that's kind of the broad general overview. Whereas it doesn't have to apply to life overall. It could apply to something like a relationship. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I still, I still like the idea of the sandcastles, like the reactions that the girl had to the sandcastle being mm-hmm. washed away to me was obviously could be applied to relationships, but to me it was also just the struggle of understanding that, maybe it's okay to move on mm-hmm. and that change is okay sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I don't know. My question is, was that a Virgo moment or is that just like a co-host moment? Like you were just already picking up what I was thinking. It wasn't really a Virgo thing. Co-host chemistry. Oh God. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so Sarah. Sarah. <laughs> the chemistry is alive. First of all, I just want to say that this makes my heart so happy. Like, I don't know. I wrote this thing and then y'all reacted to it and you felt some things and it just, it's so fucking cool. Um, Especially because like, it's so funny that you said like, there's a whole beach and I don't know. I'm just having a moment. Um, (laughs) So I titled this, I'm still learning how to play in the sand. And I actually wrote like the first part and the second part um, three days apart. And so uh, the first part I wrote and I was all hopeful and excited and ready to play and build something. And so like, again, these, these are all personal. And so I really struggle with doing things just for fun, like just because I want to. Like I always am like, it has to have a purpose. It has to have a grade. It has to have a point. Like it has to go somewhere. Um, and so I struggle doing things just because like they're enjoyable. And so, um, like going on walks, just fucking go on a walk. It's a fucking good time. (laughs) (laughs) Just a small example. Like, it's like, oh no, I have to take so many steps. Like, you know? Okay. Anyway. So I wrote that piece and I was like, I'm excited. I'm just going to play. And then, um, the weekend something had happened at the end of the weekend and I was like this is why I don't play like life sucks like what the fuck did I do that for it was a waste of my time and so I very much have this all or nothing thinking of like like you said it was the best sandcastle it was the best seashell like there's nothing that ever is going to replace it um and then I compare like it's never going to be as good and that's why I don't play it's this vicious cycle and so I love that you're like, just fucking move the sandcastle back a little bit. Or like, there's a whole beach. I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) 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 But also like, I think sometimes we don't allow ourselves to grieve. Like there has to be this balance, right? Because yeah, there's lots more sand, but I still want to be sad about that sandcastle I spent hours building, right? Like seashell. Right. And that seashell was fucking great. (laughs) <laughs> and how do we honor how do we honor both because I think so there's there's I've been reading a lot about toxic positivity and it's like oh like there's plenty of fish in the sea and like it will be better and you'll learn more and you grow and God gives his biggest battles to his strongest right like 
think of the positive. And it's like, well, sometimes I just want to be fucking sad and grieve. Um, I feel like I'm going on a tangent, but I tend to do that. Um, but it was cool to hear y'all's reactions, obviously, when you're not in an emotional moment of where I was when I was writing it. Um, but yeah, you hit all of it on the head. It's about life and the moments and grieving them and building again. I thought you said something that was very fascinating to me. You said, maybe I just want to be fucking sad in this moment. Right. And like, I don't know. I feel like, like I have friends who, even when something bad happens, stay positive, stay positive. And there's not, I don't know if there's anything wrong with trying to stay positive, but at the same time, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to, it's okay. What are tears? What are tears? <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know. I, it's okay. Like, I feel like society is be happy, be happy, be happy. Mm-hmm. What is happiness? I don't know, but maybe it's okay to be sad every once in a while. And that's part of it. Well, what's that movie inside out? Like, again, oh, I'm writing a paper. I'm writing a paper on this too. So I'm like, just getting really into my, you should watch inside out. Yeah, it's great. But it's actually, it's both good, of y'all stared at me so hard. I wasn't. It's so good. It's, it's good so good. It's a good movie. But like, all of our emotions. There's there's four core ones: sad, angry, happy, and there. It's an in between, the mixture of the emotions when they come together. And so, like, we have to feel all of those regularly, and they're all important. And like, you can't just be fucking happy all the time. And if you avoid your like negative feelings, I hate calling them that your angry and sad feelings like you're just covering up like you're not actually feel like you can't feel joy as much if you're not feeling sad and angry and so yeah it's okay to be sad and be fucking sad honor your sadness that's what um, you don't need the sadness just be angry yell it out plot twist angry is just usually covering up sadness exactly <laughs> oh no <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, <laughs> I, and y'all both know this, like, I don't do emotions. <laughs> How's I've, it going for you? I've never been good at emotions. Um, like, it, if I'm to the point where I am crying, that is like two years worth of tears in one moment. Like, there's been a lot of mm. other things that have happened that I'm, I'm at that moment. Like, I, the, one example is going to get morbid. So y'all can cut me off of this tangent. doesn't work. But the one example I can think of is um, when my grandmother was dying. Um, drove up to Michigan to see her because I knew the end was coming um, and went to the hospital. I, it was just me this time. My mom and cousin had gone home um, and she had dementia. So she was always kind of struggling to know where she was and who was there. Um, but I had read up that playing music really helps them. And I would play music and she would kind of remember who I am. Um, but we had just found out that people with dementia, they get to, it's not the dementia that kills them. It's a lot of other small cuts. Like they start to forget how to swallow. Then they forget how to breathe. Then they forget how to do this. Then they forget how to do that. Um, I happened to be there when she forgot how to swallow and she started like just coughing. And I was like, mom, swallow, swallow, just like do this um and had like press an emergency button call a nurse in and the nurses came and I like stoic face had a conversation with them and then beelined it to the stairs and curled up into a ball in the staircase in this small place and bawled my eyes out yes that moment triggered it but it was also like I that was my realization that my grandma was dying all these other things um and that's just how I've always been. So like, yes, I appreciate and I, I know emotions are important and you should feel them all, but it's just, that's not how I function. Like after she died, I couldn't even talk about her death because it made me cry. And I would tell people like, don't ask any questions. I'm fine. I don't need anything right now. We're good. And that's just how I get by. And that's why I have therapists as well. <laughs> I mean, we all do what we need to do to cope. Like mm-hmm. for sure. Um, you off, Caleb. You were gonna say something. <laughs> <laughs> what was I gonna say? <laughs> the, yeah, I was kind of gonna echo what Sarah just said. Like, 
we all experience our emotions in our own way sometimes. And sometimes that's okay too. <laughs> I was going to say that it's healthy to cry because I'm kind of, I'm like you in a way, I don't know if it's two years worth. I think I have a shorter cycle, but, Probably um, for the best. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if I'm ever in a state of where there are tears flowing, it's just from a lot of things at once. And sometimes it's happy things. It's not all mm. terribly mm. sad things, but some, sometimes it just hits me all at once. And sometimes a really good TV show or movie just brings it on. I, yes. I probably, that's probably what gets me the most is a really like a show that I'm really invested in or a movie I'm somehow really invested in after an hour. After an hour. <laughs> and then, and then I start, I start thinking about it and then I'm like, Oh yeah, this thing happened. Oh yeah, wait. Oh, oh, oh. And then there's like 50 things. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> but see, I don't really, that doesn't really happen in front of people for me. Nope. It's not really, I'm not trying to be like, oh, tough. Like I don't cry in front of people because if something really gets me during a show, I will like Marley and me. I definitely bawled in the theater next to my dad. But um, if anyone remembers that movie, but I haven't seen it. I mean, you know what's going to happen in it. Yeah, I, I was I was pretty small, so I was like not 100% sure what it was about other than a good story about a dog. But um, yikes. But <laughs> <laughs> had its ebbs and flows. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. In, in that respect, like, like, I don't know. Like tears just don't really come to me until... I'm just kind of by myself and yep. sometimes they just happen. I don't know if there's any special thing that triggers that or whatnot. It just happens. And realizing that that's okay. And then kind of embracing that for me has always been just afterwards. I'll be like sitting there, you know, I can feel it. You know how you can kind of feel when it's kind of dried on your cheeks. I'll be like, that was a pretty good cry. <laughs> <laughs> Even if I'm really sad, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. No, I feel that how I kind of do that. So this is my pushback, like, and this is coming from person, I avoid my feelings 500%. I avoid all my feelings. So I'm working on therapy right now. And I'm not a crier either. Um, but like, I would argue like, that is because of society and like how we don't, we're not allowed to feel our emotions. Like, I don't cry in front of other people either. Like, fuck no. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because oh, no. it's, it's like the most vulnerable thing. It's like, the, and I don't, as much as I think I do vulnerability, I don't really do vulnerability. <laughs> it's like the most vulnerable thing. And so, and I just think about like how we're not allowed to bring our authentic self in, in the spaces that we occupy the most. Like, could you imagine crying at work? Ew, fuck no. But like, then when we're having a bad day, we like, I just think of this person, oh, I can't stand it. It just like gives me this fake smile, like, hey, good morning. And I'm like, Shut life up. sucks. Like, don't. Smile <laughs> <laughs> and it's because we have to like be these like paper people. Yeah. And like you said, we have to be happy all the time. Like we can't be sad. And so I think, I think that's why you cry. <laughs> that's yeah. why I cry alone. Like, I think it'd be cool. I feel like we'd be all be a lot less fucked up if we could just cry when we actually needed to cry. Yeah. But it's so anyway. interesting to, to it's really it's really kind of weird to think about like like to me and like my perspective of when I cry is like oh yeah I, if something happens I'll cry in front of someone but at the same time it's like weird to think that society has so when you were raised and whatnot it's so ingrained in you that it's almost like a natural thing to not tear up in front of people yeah oh for sure so much so that I'm like tricking myself thinking I'll cry in front of someone, but even a movie theater has some kind of privacy. It's dark mm -hmm. and it's loud. Yeah. Right. You are here, you crying your head off next to you. Yeah. Like exactly. The only time. And go for it, Sarah. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say like, even like how come I'm like, feel your emotions, do the thing. When people cry in front of me, I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> how do like, you do okay. You're like, do you? You're like, you can cry, and then, but you're really like, can you stop crying? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah you don't really know how to respond. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how to respond when someone's having a really hard moment all the time. And I like, I don't know, there's all those things like, oh, sometimes it's better not to say anything at all and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably like true, but that's just also, not something you, it's, it feels awkward because you don't really know what to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, the, <laughs> the one time I've ever cried at work, uh, I, my coworkers were terrified because it was like it, very similar to this. I don't cry in front of people. So as it was happening, I started laughing because I was like, get your shit together. Like, why the, like, this is not that serious. But I, there was so much happening that I was like overwhelmed, laughing at the situation, crying because I was overwhelmed, but then also crying a little bit because I was laughing. And my supervisor and my counterpart just like looked at me. My counterpart was like, let me go get tissue. I'm like, I'm fine. The, I don't know what these tears are right now. I think it's just happening, but I'm really laughing at this moment because <laughs> I told you that you had all the problems to start and it very quickly turned to me. So like, I, I wish this on myself. Here we are. Um, so yeah, I, all of that to say, I 100% agree with the, yeah, I don't cry in front of people. <laughs> Not a thing. Um, but one thing I wanted to touch on before we wrap all of this up that I really appreciate it that you shared of like being able to find joy and being able to just like have fun. Um, I know you and I, Sarah, were able to talk about that piece a little bit too, but like, I, I think about this podcast, like that is this for me, very much a perfectionist to start. Oh, uh, <laughs> great, That's great okay. example of my emotions. Caleb says all, and I put my hand in his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but very much like that I'm a perfectionist I I struggle to just like do the fun things and I've shared this with you plenty of times Caleb and it was one of the pieces I highlighted for Thanksgiving of I'm thankful for you because you challenged that for me of like no let's do it like this is fun give it a (laughs) give it a shot Um, like let's just do it and see where it goes and it's one broke me out of the the monotony monotony I don't know why I can't say that word of life, but two, like it led to me doing more creative things and teaching myself new skills. And now like I'm finding joy in a lot of other places versus just going for a fucking run. Well, that's so cool because you both inspired me and Terrell also inspired me. And now I'm starting a podcast because it's like, why the fuck not? It's for fun. And so, yes, I love that. What's your podcast called? Stay patient, show up. When's it coming out? Featuring Sarah Keaton uh, next oh, yeah. Tuesday. Ooh, March Want to give us a yeah, teaser? March. Give our listeners a teaser? What's it about? Like, what, what should we expect coming from you? Well, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of what you just witnessed. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, I, so stay patient, show up. I was inspired. Um, it's actually one of my mantras that I've been doing. I know I'm all like affirmations and shit. Um, but really just like it staying, try, telling myself to stay patient and enjoy the slow moments. And just really like a friend told me the other day that Sarah, you're letting an experience happening happen to you. And you're not, ex- you're not experiencing the moment. And I just was like, I do that a lot where I don't, I'm not participating in body and mind. Like I, I like shut off one part or the other because it's easier sometimes. And so um, I just want to talk about that. Like I, the, the podcast is a space to just talk about my own um, learnings and lessons of like fucking moving slow and honoring my emotions and like honoring pain and celebrating pleasure. Like, fucking celebrating pleasure and doing things just because you want to and because you deserve to. Um, And so I'll be talking, it's an interview style. So I'll have a different guest each week and just talking about like how um, we each uh, take care of ourselves, show ourselves love and then show love to other people. So you'll probably be inviting Caleb and not (laughs) meet. You're on my list, Terrell. You're not getting out of it. Here's a, what not to do in this space. <laughs> what to do in this space. I don't. I don't know if I can be. 
you're at least a step up from this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I don't know. I'm that sounds really exciting, Sarah. Mm-hmm. I have already followed it. Same. A trailer is out on Spotify right now. I hope it was okay that I said Thank that. you. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. On all the platforms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we it's been a lot of fun yeah i appreciate y'all this was really nice Mm -hmm. i liked a lot me too and you make you make right i don't know which verb i'm looking for here um amazing pieces and we appreciate you for your willingness to share them with us and our listeners um but also to like dive deep into them as well thank you yeah i've never done anything like this but why not why not (laughs) i liked it i i I know trell already said it but lots of appreciation that was pretty cool thank you yeah good times and i appreciate you too trell i didn't say it earlier but i always appreciate you and i just want to say that i can be a perfectionist too but specifically with things I'm passionate about. So when I'm editing till 3 (laughs) a.m. When I'm getting text messages, oh, you can listen to the episode now at 3.45, 4 in the morning. I'm like, I just went to bed. (laughs) I will do this tomorrow. (laughs) Look, look, I'm one of those people that needs to, first I need to go through it and make the appropriate edits Mm -hmm. to to the sound, to the voices. And then I need to go back through it again to make sure that, I didn't miss anything and that it sounds perfect. So that's what I do every Wednesday-ish. Yeah. End of Tuesday, Wednesday, somewhere in that range. Yeah, sometimes Thursday morning at like three. Yeah. <laughs> and then texts me frantically, check the episode. Don't forget to check the episode. Check. Yeah, I'm just going to post it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I say that after I just checked it myself. <laughs> For the 12th time. Well, big thanks to Sarah, and we're excited to listen to your podcast. Thank you both for having me. Of course. Of course. Thanks for listening. I'm Caleb. And I'm Terrell. And we're Dangerously Likely to see you next week.